0: welcome to this week's message from a new church for more information or if you'd like to contact us please visit our website newchurch.nz thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoy this message Persecution. Um, I um, worked for Hillsong Church for about 15 years and was part of about 14 of our church plants around the world, predominantly London, Europe, and Africa, and in that time, Um, I spent a lot of time, I was part of our team that lead or whatever we're doing in in India. Not necessarily for persecution, but all our feeding program stuff we did in India and Africa. So I would spend four or five times a year in India and Africa. I'll never forget, we went into um, this conference in the south of India and we were working with this family, an amazing family. They called the Biju, um, uh, the Thumpy family, they're amazing. They plant about 10 churches a day. Unreal. I mean, you just spend time with these guys and you're like, man, I am not a Christian. I mean, these guys are like the real deal. And I'll never forget, we were standing in this tent and, you, and, and as guests, you sit on the stage and there was about 30,000 pastors in front of us. And to the right of me, there was a, it almost looked like a hospital tent. It was a whole bunch of people just sitting to the side of, of, of me and they had bandages around their heads. Their arms were bandaged up. They had crutches. They were in wheelchairs. And I was like, oh, maybe they've just brought the hospital along. Maybe believing are leaving for healings or something. That's cool. And afterwards, the service, I asked the pastor. I said, hey, um, those dudes, all the people with their bandages and stuff, who are they? He said, no, they're the lucky ones. They're the lucky ones that's made it back alive. And I'm like, no, what do you mean? Like, he's like, no, no, no. These are some of the pastors that we've sent out that's been persecuted for spreading the gospel. And they're the lucky ones that's made it alive. I'll never forget Going back to my toll room that night going, Jesus, I've grown up in South Africa. I know Christianity. I know that, you know, brothers and sisters are reading about brothers and sisters in the Bible. And brothers and sisters is really the people that I go to church with, but never really knew when the Bible talks about brothers and sisters. He's talking about everybody, all of us. Right today, there's about 2.2 million, billion people that are Christians, that proclaim themselves as Christians. About 340 million of those Christians is under severe persecution. 340 million of our brothers and sisters are under severe persecution. Now, hopefully today, this is what I'll do today, is I'll give you a new lens to see a couple of things through. I don't know if you've ever heard about the reticulate activating system. Basically, it's something in your brain. I don't know if you've ever bought a new car. Basically, probably before then, maybe you bought a Nissan. I'll never forget. My first car was this golden BMW, like an old one. And anyway, before that, I never saw a golden BMW. But when I got that BMW, it was all of a sudden like the BMW, golden BMWs had um, babies. And there was golden BMWs everywhere. And all that means is all of a sudden that reticulator activated system in my my brain got activated for something that I've never seen before and hopefully that's what I do to you today. I believe that I will share something today that will make you look differently at your Bible, that will make you look differently to the way your relationship is with Jesus. That Scripture that um, Simon just read before, I'll never forget. I was actually in my hotel room that night going, reading that. Now, I used to read Hebrews as the faith chapter, the chapter where I used to look to our forefathers. That's what they did in faith. But when I got to the end, and we don't know who wrote Hebrews But I can't help but to think it's somebody like Paul, just simply how it starts and finishes. But he finishes all with chapter 13. And he says, pray for your brothers and your sisters as if you are in chains with them. Something shifted that day. And I hope that shift will take in your heart today, now that I've told you about it, that you can't ever read your Bible the same again. If you read the New Testament through those filters, you'll start realizing that most of the New Testament is written to the persecuted church. Christians being persecuted. I promise you, you'll be different from today on if you would do that. I can't help, but it led me to um, 2 Peter 1, and we're just gonna spend some time in the Word. I love the Word. And i to unpack a couple of things again. Hopefully, I'll give you a different lens today to understand the power that you have with inside of you. And I ask myself this question all the time. that If someone were to walk in here today, have a gun against my head and say, deny your faith and live. Or don't deny your faith and you'll be killed. That's one thing. But if my children are here with me and they have a gun against my children and ask me the same question, what would that do to me? And I'm constantly confronted with these stories in front of me. And so I wonder sometimes, is my faith not real? Is my faith not where it is? But then I'm being brought to a passage of Scripture here in 2 Peter, verse 1. Simon, Peter, seven of the apostle of Jesus, to those who have obtained faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus. Here's the apostle Peter that says that your faith and my faith, Peter's faith and my faith, has been dealt to us an equal giving. It's an equal standing. I want to let you know this morning, you have to let this whole thinking go that some people have greater faith than me because here's Peter saying to you that our faith is the same. It's been handed to us equally. So stop thinking that because we stand up here and Pastor Simon and Christie is up here and they've been in ministry for so many years, they have a greater faith than you. No, you have a faith equal to ours. We have the same faith. We have equal standing when it comes to faith. It goes on in verse 2 and 3. May the grace and peace multiply to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us. All things to life and godliness. All things to life and godliness. So we're not talking about intellect or talent. You see, I can try all I want to become a pro golfer. I can hit as many balls as I want. I'm not a bad golfer. I can hit as many. I can, uh, I can um, get a private coach, but I'm not going to beat Tiger Woods. I'm not going to beat Tiger Woods, okay? I can try as much as I can to be as holy as my wife. Who knows their wives are way more spiritual than they are. They are most of the time the Holy Spirit in your life. All the women say amen. My wife um, is doing a master's in theology and she spends about 40 hours a week studying the Bible. I can't do that. That's not me. So I'm not talking about intellect. There's a lot of you that are a lot smarter than me. There's a whole lot of you that are much better sport people than me. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about, if we look at the scripture, God is saying that I could possibly, not possibly, I can be the most alive person in here today. It's got nothing to do with intellect or talent. He's given it to us. Our faith is at the same standing. It's at equal standing. And He's given everything we need. Everything. Everything we need when it comes to life and godliness. It is very possible for you because of our our equal standing when it comes to faith that you can be the most godly person today. I think so often we wait for a better day. So often we wait for, oh, no, yes, Saturday is going to be great. But what about today? How about today be the best day? It's got nothing to do with intellect. It's got nothing to do with talent. But you have equal standing to be as godly as you can, to have the purest eyes that you can have. God's given it to us. So what are you doing to be in right standing with Jesus every single day so that you position yourself that you can be more and I look at my brothers and sisters all over the world and I think this has to be a faith that helps them face death for their faith. It has to be. But in a country like ours where we live free, it's sometimes hard to even think that that's what will happen. And don't be fooled. We might be in a free country, but there's a whole lot of stuff already happening in our legislation and stuff that are gearing towards Christians being persecuted. Verse 4, this is where, whoo, hello. <laughs> By which he has granted to us precious and, and very great promises. Remember that the promises. So that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature. Whoo, divine nature. What Peter is talking about here is, is what has been prophesied for many, many years. This is what the Old Testament wanted. Have you ever walked around and go, man, I would just love to see some of the Old Testament miracles. I mean, I would love just fire from him and ah, see someone in a burning furnace. Not me, just someone, just watching him. <laughs> like, just, you know, just make sure, see what's happening. Or if you ever wondered, man, I'd love to just be when Jesus did the miracles. Man, I walk on water. Walk on water, you know, water into wine. There's these awesome things. But yet I think sometimes when we think if we long for these miracles, we actually miss out who the Holy Spirit is and who this Holy Spirit is with inside of us and the power that's been prophesied over us for so many years. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesies this to us. And this is what he's prophesying for us today, Christians today. This is, whoo! I will give you a new heart. Now, just think about it. He's prophesying of this happening in the future. Now, for them, um, it was the holies of holies. You couldn't get to the holies of holies. The holies of holies was so holy that if you were to touch it, you will fall down dead. That's how powerful it was. But then Ezekiel talks about, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of the stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of of, of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my stature. And I will keep my judgment and do things. Ezekiel is talking about this power, this divine power that we experience. Now, many of you would have heard this next passage of scripture. And I've brought my chicken bones with me. Just watch what happens to these chicken bones. Many of you would know in chapter 37, Ezekiel talks about just dry bones come to life. I prophesy, this is again Ezekiel prophesying. So I prophesy as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and a sudden rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And it did as I looked, the sinews of the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them. And it's talking about skins. Basically, these bones started rattling. Life started coming together and these bones becoming alive. He's prophesying about what we're reading about in Second Peter. He's prophesying about the divine power that is inside of us. Just for a moment, very carefully, look at the bones here. Very, just, just watch. That oh, was worth a go. <laughs> it was worth a go. Just imagine, just imagine. Woo! Just imagine there's a bunch of chicken bones and these bones start rattling. All of a sudden, there's some, some skin comes together. There's some kidneys. There's a heart. There's feet. There's all stuff boom pops out. Skin, feathers, chicken. Chicken jumps off the place, poo all over the place, like, I promise you, this will be the best renewed service church service you've ever been to. I mean, I promise you, you will not be the same. You'll go home, Mom, no, there was a, the bones and, and the chicken is like, you won't be the same again. You can't be the same again. So why are we the same? When we walk out these doors, when, we've been pros- when there's been prophesied a power inside us, back then it was so powerful you couldn't touch it. But that same power, that equal power is with inside us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that power is inside us, a power that can raise bones, that can make it come alive? Because that's a prophecy of what should be happening inside of us. People should look like at you as if a chicken just became alive out of dead bones. That's what should happen. People should say, I can't help but to see man. That person, whoa, it's almost like they've come alive. There's something in them that was dead before and all of a sudden they've come alive. So when we talk about our brothers and our sisters in Christ all over the world being persecuted for their faith, we're so privileged. We're not better than them. They're not better than us. We are one body. But we have a responsibility. The Bible instructs us over and over and over and over not to forget about them. See, many of you before today, you might not even have known that there is 340 million Christians in the world right now, not under persecution, under severe persecution. If you were to go on our website, we've got um, the most dangerous countries in the world to be a a Christian. There's 50 countries listed. Um, North Korea has been one of the top ones for many, many years. And and at the moment, what we know, there's about 300,000 Christians within North Korea, and about 70,000 of those are in concentration camps Today, today, we can't share everything that we do in North Korea because of the sensitivity and the heavy persecution in North Korea. But what I can tell you is we used to be able to smuggle about 300 of those Christians out over the Chinese border, train them, heal them, get them better. Some of them would go back. At the motion, the persecution is so heavy. It used to be 300 a month. At the moment, we might even get 10 out if we're lucky. People are dying for their faith today. No, I've not come today to make you feel bad about your faith. Hopefully, I've come to make you see that there is a power inside of you, and that power that's inside of you lives in our brothers and our sisters that are willing to die for their faith. So we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility as the, as the body of Christ to, first of all, to be praying for them. Church, I hope I've stirred you this morning to see it through a different eyes. Um, 2 Kings, and this is another really something I pray for you as a church today. And I'm gonna, Matt, is that the keyboardist if you don't mind coming up? I've lost a bit of track of time here, but. In 2 Kings verse six, it talks about Elisha. Again, the prophet Elisha was sitting in his house with his servants and his servants comes to him and they say, can't you see what's happening? They're surrounded by an army about to kill them and he's just chilling out. He's just chilling out in his little house, and he prays. He says, God, can you help my servant see what I see? His eyes open, and all of a sudden, he sees the chariots of angels around them. And this mighty, invisible army that he couldn't see before all of a sudden starts becoming so evident to him, and he can see it all around them, and they beat the enemy that day. have a second Kings verse 6 prayer for you today that we will not be so consumed with our day to day things and even though those things are so important but I pray that God will open your eyes today first of all for about the power that he's got for you in you, it's yours you can be the most godly person in this room it's yours, it's got nothing to do with who your mom or your dad was or where you grew up He's given it to you, equal faith. So what are you going to do with it? So when you walk out here today, I pray that you will see what that servant saw that day. That it's not just flesh and blood out of there, but it's a mighty, mighty war out there. Helen's um, story has actually moved me many, many times. And she actually works for Open Doors at the moment, our head office in the Netherlands. Um, She was rescued after 32 months of persecution. Now, you have to understand that they were persecuted because she stood on the front of a church singing, just singing, singing the gospel. They were put in this container, jam-packed like sardines, with the sole purpose of getting them to deny their faith. That's their purpose. There was times where Helen would be in in the container and she would sing the word of God. She remembered the verses that she could, and she, she would say it to the other prisoners to help them through it. And the guards would walk past and hear her say that. They pulled her out and said, where, where is your book? Where is this thing that you are singing? Where is these words that you are reading to the people? And she said, it's not there, it's in here. They would take her into a field and beat her nearly to death to get what she had in here to get it out. We had this um, great Zoom call with her one day, and she said, I'll never forget lying in the pit of blood, basically should have been dead, looking at my persecutor, looking at him and say, you have your orders, but I have my orders not to deny my faith. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.